But God is so good. God is so good. Uh, the Lord has done so much. We started a free English tutorial because in Cambodia, as I said, 90, almost 99% are Buddhists, very welcoming. They don't reject Christians. But when you share them the gospel, it's okay with them. They would always say yes, 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 yes. But actually, in their mind, because they're Buddhists, they would, when they say yes, it's not because they're committing their lives to the Lord. When they say yes, it's like, they're just adding Jesus to their hundreds and thousands of gods. So just, you know, let's just add one, one more to more than 100,000. And at the same time, the concept is the more entries, the more chances of winning. Okay? So it's just like adding Jesus to their hundreds and thousands of gods. And... If you notice, you always hear in the video about the, the training center. Because in Cambodia, unlike in the Philippines or here, they are, we are already bombarded with the gospel, right? We already have heard the gospel, the death and burial and resurrection of Christ, even in the Philippines. So here, or even in the Philippines, you can say, Sir, can I have five minutes of your time? And I'll just explain to you the gospel. Yes, we can do that in Cambodia. And they will just say yes, but committing is another thing. So the best way for us to share them the gospel is to what have a relationship with them. Okay, so it's called relational evangelism because it's not just a day, it's not just five minutes or how many days, but you have to keep on explaining and telling them the gospel. So my long-term vision is for us to have a training center. Oh, by the way. God is so good. This year, we were able to buy a property. We're looking for a property, and then suddenly, lo and behold, uh, a, a Presbyterian pastor, I'm teaching his children English, and he said, Pastor, I heard you're looking for a property. Yes, we're really praying for a property, but I don't have money. I said, <laughs> but he said, you know, you, you visit my property and look. He showed me a huge property, 6,500 square meters. It's near the mountain. Very nice. There are a lot of resorts in that area. You know, in Cambodia, when you say resort, it's not necessarily by the sea. Yeah. <laughs> resorts, like when you have like hotels, stuff like that. So that's already a resort. Okay. And he said, you know, I'm selling it for $10,000. But because you're going to use it for the ministry, I'm selling it to you 6,500 dollars. It's like one dollar per square meter. I really prayed for it and I said, Pastor, I really don't have the cash to pay you. God really worked in his heart and he said, okay, let's do staggered. I gave him first $1,500 and every month I gave him money and last month or two months ago we were able to fully pay the property. Okay? So the next thing is building something there. But folks, it's very important for us to really do everything we could, whatever it takes for us to be able to reach people, for us to be able to share the gospel of Christ. This afternoon, we're going to talk about what matters most. What matters most? What matters most to us? Somebody says, you know, you would know what's the priority of a person or a man if you're going to look at his checkbook or bank account. Check where you spend most of your money and you will know where your heart is. Right? Or check your schedule. Where do you spend most of your time? How do you spend your time? And you will find out what matters most to you. Let's all stand up, please, and let's read Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and we'll read verse 19 through 21. I'm sure this is a very familiar passage to most of you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 21. Lay not up for yourselves, what? Treasures upon earth, where moth and rust that corrupt. Where thieves break through and steal, 
but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust that corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Where is your treasure? Where is your treasure? Where do you spend your resources, your time? That determines or that will tell you what matters most to you. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity you have given us to worship you tonight. I pray, O Lord, that you would just cleanse our heart, our soul from all sin and unrighteousness, O Lord, that our worship to you today would be a sweet-smelling savor, O Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just cover me with thy blood so that the people will not see me, but they will see you, O Lord. And fill me, Lord, with thy spirit so that the people will not hear me, but they will hear you, O Lord. For only your name deserves to be glorified today, O God. For all these things we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. This afternoon, we're going to study about, you know, a man whom the Bible reveals as the one who really enjoyed everything that this world has to offer. He is what you call, he has everything. In, in Tagalog, in Filipino, we would always say, nasa kanya na ang lahat. Okay? He has everything. But after having all those things, everything in life, everything that a person could ask for, was he contented or was he fulfilled? Was he contented or was he fulfilled? What does really matters? Before we go to what does really matters, let's talk about first what doesn't really matter. What doesn't really matters? Because sometimes we're confused between what matters and what doesn't matter, right? Sometimes we think it's, this is the most important thing, but actually, it's not, right? But what doesn't matter? What doesn't really matter? Or what doesn't satisfy? Open your Bible, please, in Ecclesiastes, and we will read verse 1 to 2. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verses 1 to 2. The Bible says, The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem. And he said, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, Vanity of vanities. And he said what? All is vanity. The author started by saying he is a preacher. And he said, He is the son of David. It means to say he is a prince because David is a king. It means to say he experienced, you know, the, all the luxury in life, being the son of the king. And during those times, who's the most popular and who's, most, who's the richest of all people? During those times, it was the king. And then at the end, he said, what? He's also, he also became the king of Jerusalem. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Solomon, right? King Solomon. King Solomon was a prince. He became a king himself. And at the end, he said, even if he became the king, at the end, what did he say? All is vanity. Everybody would like to be a king during those times. That's why they were, you know, busy trying to kill each other so that they would be the king. Because who? The king is the most powerful. The king has everything. With just the flick of his finger at, at his word, whenever, whatever he wants, he gets. Right? But amazingly, at the end, even if he became the king, he has everything. What did he say? All is vanity. Let me submit to you this morning or this afternoon that position or status in life doesn't matter. Position or status in life doesn't matter. Now, most of us, when we apply for a work, our first objective would be what? To be promoted. When we get accepted in a work, our dream is to be promoted to the next position, right? Because we know if we get promoted, there will be more. Your pay would be higher. You'll have more privileges. You have, you know, you have more things. And then later, you will, you know, you will work hard, do hard, so that the boss, your boss will notice you. And then, you know, 
you will have a good review when you have your uh, annual review, your annual performance review, and then if you do well, you sacrifice a lot for the company, and then you will be promoted to the next level. Let's say you became the supervisor, right? And then when you became the supervisor, later you will find out that being the supervisor is not the ultimate, right? You will find out that, hey, I can be a manager. I can do more because being a manager, it will give you more benefits, more pay. Folks, listen, I am not against you dreaming and promoting or, you know, working hard for you to be promoted. To be promoted. There is nothing wrong with that. Okay? There's nothing wrong with that. But what I'm trying to tell you is this. If you think being promoted or getting into the highest position you can ever reach can give you satisfaction, it will not. It will not. Because once you reach the supervisor, you will try to be the manager, you will try to be the president, and you will try to be on the top. And then later on, you spend so much time working, no more time for family, no more time for relationship, no more time for, for, for ministry, and you lose everything, and then you get old, and then what? And suddenly you will realize, what did I do with my life? When you get to be the president, what happens next? That's what Solomon was saying. He became the king. But at the end, he said, all is vanity. What matters to you? Number two, open your Bible, please, in Ecclesiastes chapter 2. And let's read verse 1. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 1. He said, I said in mine heart, go to now. I will prove thee with mirth. Therefore, enjoy what? Enjoy pleasure. Enjoy pleasure. And behold, what did he say? Still, all is vanity. And then let's jump to verse 9. Let's jump to verse 9. So, I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. He became the richest man in Jerusalem. Nobody can top him up. Also, my wisdom, you have to remember this part. Also, my wisdom remained with me. My wisdom remained with me. Remember when he was asked by God what he wants? He said, what? Wisdom. His wisdom remained with him. And in verse 10 it says, Whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. He tried to you know, do everything that will make him happy. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion of all my labor. He said, it's like he deserved all of it with what everything that he has done. He deserved all those pleasures. Then, in verse 11, Then I look on all the works that my hands had wrought. And on the labor that I have labored to do. And behold, what did he say? And behold, all was vanity. And not just vanity, vexation of spirit. It hurt him. And there was no profit under the sun. We work, 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 and then later we would like to have vacation and do all, you know, try to, because you work, you work, and then you... You try to experience all those pleasures in life that this world can offer because of the money that you have. And we, most of the time, we're like that, right? We feel that we deserve it after working so hard. Try to, you know, try to, to experience all the pleasures in life because we really work for it. And then at the end, what? He said, all is vanity. In fact, Solomon even has how many wives and how many concubines? He has... 700 concubines, right? And then 300 wives. Because he thought those pleasures can give him happiness because of the power, the wealth that he has. But at the end, he said, all is vanity. I was wondering, did he really enjoy having the 700 wives and, and 700 concubines and 300 wives? You know, just having one wife gave you a headache. How much 300 more? <laughs> having 300 more, Right? Folks, 
He thought that would give him happiness. But at the end, he said, those pleasures really did not give him happiness. But it only gave him what? Vexation of spirit. All is vanity. Let me tell you this afternoon that even pleasures in life cannot give you satisfaction. It can only satisfy you for a short period of time, but afterwards, that's it. That's it. You will only enjoy for a while, and then afterward, back to reality and even more problems. Even more problems. Next, open your Bible, please, in Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 11 to 13. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 11 to 13. When goods increase, they are increased that eat them. And what good is there to the honors thereof, saying the beholding of them with their eyes? The sleep of a laboring man is sweet, whether he eat little or much. But the abundance of the rich, what it says, the abundance of the rich will not suffer him to sleep. There is a sore evil which, is, which I have seen. Under the sun. What, and what is it? He said, namely, riches. Sore, he called riches sore evil. Namely, riches kept for the owners thereof to their hurt. And we thought if we could have all the riches in this world, we would be happy. Let me submit to you this afternoon that even possessions in life cannot give you happiness it cannot it will not give you happiness in fact if you're going to read the whole book of ecclesiastes you will be depressed why because everything that you would like to have everything that you would like to achieve when you look at the book of ecclesiastes solomon has it all and then at the end he still said what all is vanity possessions cannot give you satisfaction before we answer what really matters let's consider these questions or let's ponder upon these questions that would lead us to realize what does really matter number one what do you want to do with your life have you ever asked that question? Or you'll be like, oh, that's deep. Have you ever asked yourself, what do you want to do with your life? And sometimes we parents, when our children get into high school and then about to graduate in high school, and you will always ask them, okay, what course you would you like to take? What would you like to do in life? The usual answer is, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not decided yet what I'm going to do with my life. You know, somebody says, if you aim at nothing, you will surely hit nothing. If you aim at something, you will surely hit something. A life that is, you know, a life that don't have a goal, it's also a meaningless life. Cannot achieve anything if you don't want to achieve anything, right? Have you ever asked yourself, you know, that question is not just for young people. You need, we all need to ask this consistently with ourselves, to ourselves. What do I want to do with my life? As long as we are here on earth, the Lord is not done with us yet. The Lord is not done with us yet. That leads me to the next question. What does God want me or what does God want you to do with your life. The first question is a bit selfish. What do you want to do with your life? But I guess the most important question is, what does God want me to do with my life? Where you are right now, do you think that's where God wants you? I worked with School of Tomorrow for 27 years, and I thought I'm going to retire in School of Tomorrow. That's where I'm going to grow old. But anyway, I'm old already, <laughs> okay? But I thought that's it. It's my comfort zone. 
It's like when I wake up in the morning, I already know what I'm going to do. Because I know already, I've been doing the work for more than 20 years. But at the end, still the Lord has something for me. Have you ever asked yourself, is where you are right now, is that where God wants you to be? Sometimes we keep on complaining where we are, oh, I don't like my job, I don't like this, I don't like that, I always have a problem with him, I always have a problem with her, I have a problem with everybody, and then you keep on complaining, but still keep on doing the same thing. But have you ever asked yourself, is that where God wants you to be? Where you are right now, is that where God wants you to be? Have you ever prayed, Lord, what do you want me to do? Which leads me again to the next question. It, if God will give you one wish, what would it be? When Solomon was asked, he asked for wisdom. But look what happened to him. There's nothing wrong with wisdom. But we need to understand when we ask the Lord for something, we need also to ask, why? We need to also ask ourselves, why do you want that? Why are you praying for it? Because sometimes when we pray, we thought that is good for us. That's why I like this saying, God's answer is better than our prayers. God's answer is better than our prayers because sometimes or most of the time we thought we knew what we want but at the end we don't know what we want. We thought it's good for us but actually it's not. Only God knows what's good for you. So if you're going to ask something from the Lord, ask the next question, why? Why do you want to have that? Solomon wanted to have wisdom. Later, he be because of his wisdom, he became rich. He acquired everything, but at the end, still, what did he say? In spite that he has wisdom, at the end, he said, all is vanity. Because he used his wisdom for him to be able to what? To get all the pleasures in life, what he wants. But at the end, let's ask ourselves, why do you want that? Is that for your own sake or is it for the Lord? If the Lord will give you one wish, what will it be and why? Last question. How do you want others to remember you after you are dead and gone? How would you like to be remembered? We work, work, work for our family, for ourselves and everything. And then at the end, what are you going to leave behind? What are you going to leave behind? What legacy are you leaving behind all the money that you're you've earned when you die you cannot take it with you and we just leave it behind and sometimes people that you don't even like is the one going to enjoy the money that you hard earned work for right but what's the most important thing that you would like to leave behind if the Lord will call us now if the Lord will call me now you know one thing, I'm, I'm glad that the Lord used me in the ministry for how many years? I started the student convention in the Philippines where now students are really enjoying about the student convention where they get to discover their God-given talents, where they get to know the Lord Jesus Christ. I reach a lot, thousands of people. I'm not saying this to brag, but what I'm saying is this. After I'm dead and gone, people would still remember me. Last week, I was awarded the Legacy Award by School of Tomorrow because I started student convention in the Philippines. Folks, listen. I may not be rich, but I'm just privileged that the Lord used me. You know, all of us can be used by the Lord if our heart is into it. If our heart if we surrender our heart to the Lord and just leave to God what God wants us in our lives. How do you want to be remembered? 
pastor will always be remembered as someone who pastored this church. That one of you will always remember Pastor Maliari as someone who advised you. You will always remember Pastor Maliari as the one who shared to you the gospel. How would you like to be remembered? How would you like to be remembered? I hope and pray that we're not just spending our lives doing this and that, and then at the end when we die, that's it. How would you like to be remembered? So what matters then most? What's, what matters then most? Number one, let me submit to you to focus on your need and not on your greed. Let's focus on our need and not on our greed. Open your Bible, please, in 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy chapter 6, and let's read verses 6 to 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6 to 10. The Bible says, But godliness with contentment is what? Great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it's certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, he said, let us therewith to be what? Content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which draw men into destruction and perdition. Wow, very strong words. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after, they what? They have erred from the faith and pierce themselves through many sorrows and we all want to be rich and we all want to have more money one of the richest men during his time Rocky D. Rockefeller was once asked how much money does it take to be happy how much money do you think will make you happy? Exactly. That's what Rockefeller says. Just a little bit more. That just a little bit more. No amount of money can make us happy. You remember when you first get your paycheck? Let's say it's about $500. And somebody would ask you, oh, how much are you getting? Oh, I'm getting 500. Is it enough? You would always say what? No. No, but you're still alive, right? And then when you are promoted or you have an increase, let's say you have 700 or 800, and then do you think that's enough? You would always say, you would say again, no, but you're still alive. You're still living with your 800, right? And then when you get your, your 1,000, is that enough? You would say, no, but still, you're living. You're still alive. You, can, you still survive, right? You know what? There's really no amount of money that can satisfy us. Once you reach your first million, what's next? You're going to reach for your next million. It's never ending. My mother would always say, the bigger the button, the bigger the button hole. In Tagalog, or in Spanish, habang lumalaki ang bitones, lumalaki ang ohales. Okay? The bigger the button, the bigger the button hole. It means to say, the bigger your salary, the bigger your expenses also. Because you will change your lifestyle. We change lifestyle. The more money we have, the more we spend. The more money we have, the more we buy for more expensive things. The more money we have, and then we change lifestyle. Before in the Philippines, when we were students in high school or in college, we would eat in street food. We call it karindiria. Uh, in, you know, the one that you use, the tusluk tusluk. In, in Cambodia, the street food there. Everything. It's just cheap, right? And then, once you have a work, will you still eat there? No, because you would say, Oh, let's not eat there. It's dirty. We will get sick. But before, when you don't have money, you can eat in those places, right? Now you have elevated yourself, right? 
You move up and then oh, you cannot do all of those things anymore. You cannot go to those things anymore because you have money. And then you keep on complaining you don't have enough. But actually, if you don't change your lifestyle, you have more than enough. But because we change your lifestyle, we don't have enough. It's you're always lacking. By the way, is anybody naked here right now? No. In fact, some of you have two or three altogether because sometimes it's cold. How many of you did not eat? Most of you ate, except for those who are on diet. Most of us have house that we can go to, even if we don't own it, at least we have some you know, place to sleep, roof over our head. If you ate, you have clothes on, you have house to sleep in, the Lord already has fulfilled what He promised. He will give us what we need. We are blessed. We are blessed beyond food, money, or beyond food, clothing, and house. Hey, more than that, it's overflowing grace. It means to say the Lord already has given you more than what you need. And sometimes we keep on complaining, I'm poor. I'm poor. I'm poor. You know why? Because we keep on comparing ourselves with other people. When we see our neighbor having a big house, you think of yourself poor because he has a big house and you have a small house. When your neighbor has a new car, you will think you're poor because he has a new car and you don't have. Folks, listen. Somebody says, contentment in life is not in great wealth, but in simple wants. Simple wants. Contentment is not possessing everything, but giving thanks in everything we possess. If we forget to give thanks with what we possess, then we think we don't have anything. Then we think we're poor. Then we think the Lord does not love you. Folks, I don't know with you, but I have kids. Three kids. Every time I came from a trip, I would give them something. And most of the time, I'm, I'm not sure if this is true also with your children, when they look at what you give them, instead of looking at what you give them, they would look at what the others have. Why does she have the pink one? It's my favorite color. Or you say, why is his bigger than mine? Why does she have that? Instead of looking what we have, we're looking at what others have. Instead of giving thanks of what we have, we're looking at what others have. We're looking for what we don't have. That's why we forget that we already have what we need. We have what we need. My mom would always, would always be angry on Sunday morning. <laughs> why? Because... Saturday night, he would tell us to prepare everything you need for the following day, for Sunday service, prepare your clothes, everything. And then when we wake up in the morning, we would wear our clothes, especially my sisters. They would be like, oh no, the color of my, my blouse is not, does not match my shoes. It does not match my bag. And then they will, they will change again, and then they would iron again, and then we, we would end up, all of us would be late in Sunday school. Can you relate? That's why my mom would always say, you know you should only have three clothes with the same color, the same style, so you don't have problem choosing what to wear. Because sometimes we think we don't have what we need, but actually we have the simplest, you know, satisfaction. It's like when you have a cell phone, right? What iPhone are we now? 15, 13? 15 is that the highest one now? Once you bought your iPhone 15, you love your iPhone 15. You'll be happy with your iPhone 15. And then when iPhone 16 comes out, you will not look at your iPhone 15 anymore. You'll be looking at iPhone 16. And you will say, I wish I have that phone. I wish I have that phone. Folks, listen. Let's focus on what we need and not on our greed. 
let's focus on what we need and not on our greed. Because at the end of the day, it will never satisfy us. Number two, focus on your church life. Wow. Focus on your church life. Somebody told me, or somebody said, Pastor, hey, we're here in church. It only shows that our focus in the church. Okay, good, you're in the church. But let me ask you, and I'm so happy that even in the afternoon, you come for church. In as much as you already went to church this morning, you're still here in the afternoon. Thank you so much. That shows how much you love church. Amen? But let me ask you, aside from coming to church, do you have a ministry in the church? Do you have a ministry in the church? Is there something that you're doing for the church? Open your Bible in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. The Bible says, Husbands, what? Love your wives, even as Christ loved the church and gave himself for the church. You notice the word that he used? He said, love your wife. It's not understand your wives. You know why? Because at the end, you will never really understand your wife. Why? Because, of course, we're men and they're women. It's really hard to understand each other. Okay? And that's why the Bible says, love your wife. Because love is unconditional. No matter what you discover after you get married, you love your wife no matter what. You love your wife. Can I hear amen from the wives? <laughs> love your wife. So that's why I, I, most of the time when I counsel young people in you know, getting married, I would always tell the guys, before you get married, you need to ask yourself if you really love that woman. It means to say you would love her no matter what you discover. Because no matter how long you were engaged, you will never know her. The most important thing is you love her unconditionally. And that's the kind of love that the Lord showed us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. We are undeserving of that love. We are undeserving. He even gave His Son to die, knowing that He will die. Folks, how's your church life? What ministry do you have? Where is that God-given talent being used? Do you realize that everything that we have, even your skills, talents, are from the Lord? Every gift that we have right now, it's from the Lord. The question is this. Are those gifts for the Lord or for the world? Is it for the Lord or for the world? You can sing good. You can sing good in karaoke. You can sing good somewhere. You can sing good in the bathroom. But can you sing for the Lord? Can you sing for the Lord? You know how to do stuff. How do you know to do things? Can you come and serve the Lord in the church doing fixing things? Folks, yes, it's good that you come to church. But if you don't have a ministry, it's time for you to have a ministry. Whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do it all heartily as to the Lord. Whatever we have, whatever we can do, do it for the Lord. I've been to this church in the U.S., I was surprised Saturday, there was a lot of people in the church. And I asked the pastor, Pastor, why are they here on Saturdays? I thought they were just practicing for choir. But he said, no, they are here because we don't have full-time workers here in the church to clean everything, but they come here to prepare the church for tomorrow's service. Folks, no matter how small it is, if it is done for the Lord, no matter how small it is, and somebody told me, you know, I give my offering. Yes, that's good, you give your offering. But offering is not a ministry. My question is, do you have a ministry? Sometimes we thought if we give big offering, 
that's already enough payment for the Lord. No. We can never repay what the Lord has given us. We cannot. No matter how much you give in the offering, in the tithes, in the, you know, you cannot repay what God has given you. Can you repay salvation? Can you repay the air that you breathe? Can you repay the sun that shines on us? We cannot repay, we cannot repay all of those things. But we can give thanks to the Lord. How do we give thanks? By giving back to the Lord and showing how much grateful we are with all the blessings that the Lord has given us. Focus on the church. Have a ministry. Because at the end, after you have done with your work, after you serve your boss and do all of those things, at the end, just one mistake in every company, you're gone. You may be good in their eyes today, but tomorrow you will not be. But whatever you do for the Lord, whatever you do for the Lord, that gives Him glory. And that shows how much grateful to what the Lord has done for you or for us. And lastly, focus on eternity. Open your Bible, please, in Luke chapter 15, verse 10. The Bible says, Luke chapter 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over sinners that what? That repented. The Lord, the heavens is not rejoicing when you are promoted in your job. The heavens will not rejoice if you get your first million. The heavens will not rejoice with all your accomplishment in here on earth. The only thing that the heavens will rejoice, the only reason that the heavens will rejoice if one soul got saved. Let me ask you this afternoon. When was the last time you shared the gospel of Christ to anybody? Can you remember the last time you shared the gospel of Christ to anybody? By the way, let me ask you, are you saved? Are you saved? I guess not. Are you saved? If you're saved, are you sure that when you die, you will go to heaven? Are you sure? Why? Because that's what the Bible says, right? If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. But do you know that the same Bible that says, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, the same Bible also says that if you are not saved, you will go to hell. Some people, to some people that's offending because it's like we are judging them. But the, that's what the Bible says. Revelation 21.8. That's what the Bible says. And we're all qualified to go to hell if you're going to read Revelation chapter 21.8. But because of God's grace, we are saved. If you know you're saved and you know you're going to heaven, let me ask you, is your wife saved? Is your husband saved? Are your parents saved? Are your children saved? Are your siblings saved? Folks, let me remind you tonight what the Bible says. If they are not saved, they will suffer in hell. Even if you love them so much that you don't want them to go to hell, if they don't believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they will surely suffer in hell. Open your Bible in Luke chapter 16. This is a very familiar story. For the sake of time, we're not going to read all of it. But let's just read chapter 16 and let's read verse 23. Oh, um, 23. Luke chapter 16, verse 23. And in hell he lifted up his eyes. By the way, the story is about Lazarus and the rich man. They both died. And then in verse 23, the rich man opened his eyes. And when he opened his eyes, in hell he lifted up his eyes, being what? In torment. And see it? 
Remember the word, see it. He saw Abraham and he saw Lazarus. And he said, and he said, in verse 24, and he cried, by the way, when cried here does not necessarily mean crying, you know, but cried here means he shouted. He shouted. He called Abraham and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Remember, he saw Abraham, he saw Lazarus, and he remembered their names. He called them by name. He said, Lazarus, he said, he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and said, Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in this flame. Folks, my mom died last year. I'm just happy that my mom is saved. And I'm going to meet her again in heaven. But what if she's not saved? What if she's not saved? And I'm saved. And I died too. And she is in hell. And she will be suffering in hell. And she will call me, Cesar, why did you not tell me that you know how to get to heaven? Why did you not tell me it's hard, it's hot here in hell? What if my wife does not know Christ? What if my wife is not saved? My wife would say, Sister, we've been together for a long time. We sleep together, we ate together, we do things together. Why did you not even tell me the gospel? Why did you not even tell me that you know how to get to heaven? My children, if they're not saved, they will tell me, Tatai, it's hot here in hell. Tatai, it's hot here in hell. But the sad part is that, cannot do anything about it anymore. The best time to win souls is now. Focus on eternity. We're so focused on doing so many things in life. We're so busy on doing so many things. But have we looked into the lives of our loved ones and make sure that they have heard the gospel of Christ? Because if not, you will enjoy in heaven, but they will suffer in hell. I thought 27 years working with School of Tomorrow, that's it. But when the Lord called me to mission, I'm just so happy that the Lord called me to missions and my pastor led me to Prebehia. In Prebehia, I am the only Baptist. I am here in Australia because Pastor Sam invited me to speak in their conference. But I don't want to go out of Pribihia. You know why? Because people need the gospel. People are dying without even hearing the gospel. Suffering in hell. Will suffer in hell without even hearing the gospel of Christ. We're so happy where we are right now because we are saved. We're so happy where we are now because we are satisfied with what we have. But folks, there are a lot of people there that needs the gospel. If you're so sure of your salvation, share it. Share it. Sometimes we will say, I'm ashamed. I don't know how to say it. Or I am afraid because you're afraid or you're ashamed. You just let them go to hell. Is that it? Folks, I'm not the only missionary here tonight. We are all missionaries because the Great Commission is given to everyone. We have the same job description. That makes us the same missionaries. You're a missionary to your family. You're a missionary in your office. You're a missionary in the school. You're a missionary wherever you are. Somebody said, every heart that does not have the Lord Jesus Christ is a mission field. And every heart that has Christ is a missionary. Folks, we're all missionaries. Focus on eternity. Don't just focus on your job. Don't just focus on yourselves. Don't just focus on what you want. Let's focus on eternity because one day, one day, one day the Lord will call us and it would be too late. It's either I will die first or they will die first and it would be too late. When was the last time you shared the gospel? Let me close with this illustration. During World War II, America was not yet involved in the war. 
and England was bombarded already by the Germans, Winston Churchill made an appeal. And he said, give us the tools. Give us the tools and we will continue the fight. Give us the tools and we will fight them in the land. Give us the tools and we will fight them in the seas. Give us the tools and we will fight them in the air. Give us the tools and we will win this war. I am a missionary. We're knocking on your doors, not for our needs, but for the work of the Lord in Cambodia. Give us the tools and we will continue the fight. Give us the tools and we will go back there and we will share them the gospel. Give us the tools. Give us the tools. What matters most? What matters most are souls. What matters most, more are souls. Because there is nothing in this earth that we can bring in heaven. The only thing that we can bring in heaven are souls. What matters most? Let's all stand up and let's have a word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity you have given us to be encouraged from thy word. Lord, I pray that you would just give us, Lord, the passion and compassion for souls, O oh God. Everyday people are dying without even hearing the gospel of Christ. And here we are enjoying life, knowing that we are saved. Lord, I pray that you would give us, Lord, the love and the courage to share the gospel to those, especially to our loved ones, O oh God that have not yet heard the gospel, O Lord, that they would be with us in heaven for eternity and that they will not suffer in hell, O Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just fill us, Lord, with thy spirit, that we may have the courage and the compassion, O Lord, to share your word to other people, O God. For all these things we pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ.